Mr. Shapiro joins us now to discuss, uh, well, his, his turbulent nation. Mr. Shapiro, the Hollywood writer's strike is, uh, well, it seems settled for now, but the actors are still waving their pickets. Well, the actors are, and, the, and look, the writers are still ha- have some final negotiating to tie up, but it does appear as if the, the writer's strike is coming to an end. And I think while the, while the actors are still out, um, settling the writers will in turn bring that closer to an end. There's a rumor today of another potential Hollywood strike, uh, this time actors against the gaming industry, uh, game makers, which is actually in revenue terms bigger than Hollywood at the moment, and that'll be consequential. But really, sorry, 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 um, the gaming industry. Uh, well, it employs actors for the voices. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed, it's a crucial part of of this business, and and um, has a vast commercial market, even though its profile is not as high. So, you know, the entertainment world is going to remain in some turmoil for a little while, but really, when it comes to labor unions and the economy, all eyes now have, of course, shifted to Detroit, where uh, for the first time in the long and storied history of the American labor movement, going back to 1886, um, the United Auto Workers are out on strike against all three, all of the big three um, auto workers, uh, GM, Ford, and the company, and Stellantis, the company formerly known as Chrysler. Um, This is a kind of remarkable development and assertion of labor power in Michigan at a point where Michigan is crucial to the political future of the country. Um, It is an interesting strike, too. Uh, It's what's being described as a stand-up strike rather than a sit-down strike. You know, in the history of the American labor movement, Detroit was the home of the fabled sit-down strike against Ford in the 1930s. Um, But in this case, uh, the United Auto Workers have chosen to strike against one plant for each company at a time with workers continuing to go on their jobs at other plants, the idea being to ratchet up pressure uh, to disrupt supply chains. And there's there's some evidence that that's happening. Bruce, um, I, a, the, the, the actors and the writers are very concerned by AI. I would have thought that by now Detroit is uh, largely reliant on robots. That's not the case? Uh, I think the robots are mainly in the executive suites. That seems to be what the union is saying. (laughs) But the assembly um, lines are full of robots. The assembly lines are are full of robots, but there's a huge amount of um, the making of machined parts, fine detailed work, assembly that is still done by hand. And, you know, there's a a kind of a a delicate... um, tension in all of this for the parts of the American political community that traditionally supported labor unions, namely Democrats. Um, On the one hand, you've got Joe Biden as the most pro-union president in the White House in many years, and indeed he's going to be uh, showing up in Detroit to uh, be on the picket line with workers today, another 
unprecedented step. And at the same time, Biden is, of course, pushing electric vehicles, which are, as they grow in number, are going to be uh, putting auto workers out of business, uh, out of their current jobs anyway, in very large numbers. So while the strike is over in the short run, classic issues like wages, pension funds, the gap between what older workers make and what younger workers hired in recent years are making, uh, that sort of thing. On the table really is the future of a big part of the American economy and, and how a changing world and a changing changing U.S. policy priorities around cars compared with, say, the 1950s or 60s are going to affect workers in the country's industrial heartland. Tell me about the indictment of Senator Menendez. <laughs> well, this is an interesting one, you know, and it, in the spirit of equal opportunity, we have spent much time in recent weeks talking about indictments against a certain former president and his cronies who are Republicans. But uh, Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey, um, one of the most powerful Democrats, chair of the Senate's Foreign Relations Committee until he stepped aside under Senate rules in the last couple of days, uh, has been indicted for um, taking bribes on behalf of an, an Egyptian business leader. Um, as enter as, as uh, corruption indictments go, this one is particularly cinematic, particularly entertaining. Um, the FBI indictment, which I've, or the U.S. attorney's indictment, which I have in front of me, describes FBI agents finding wads of cash, hundreds of thousands of dollars, <laughs> stuffed into the pockets of, of windbreakers and jackets in, in the Menendez family closet. They describe gold bars and describe <laughs> Google searches on Menendez's computer, Senator Menendez's computer, saying, how much is a bar of gold worth? Um, it's an interesting one, uh, first of all, because Menendez survived an earlier corruption indictment on a different case in 2017 when there was a mistrial and therefore he was innocent, went back to the Senate happily. This time it seems a rather tighter case, um, though, of course, you never know. Bruce, There's what, also what the did the bribers want out of the, out of the bribee? Um, of a variety of of favors to give favored treatment under U.S. trade laws to this particular um, Egyptian business leader, um, and and as well as access essentially essentially turning Menendez into a one man lobbyist on behalf of um, this company's concerns. Um, it kind of classic classic bribe stuff. Um, it does um, raise the interesting issue of, well, what happens if, if he leaves? Um, the, the governor of New Jersey, who's also a Democrat, has called on Menendez to leave. A couple of Democratic senators have. Senator Chuck Schumer, however, the majority leader, has said, hey, he's entitled to a fair trial. Um, Menendez is still a very powerful figure. And of course, the Senate uh, is, you know, uh, Democrats have a two-vote majority in the Senate. So it so could, could wreck is, the balance of power. It could. Um, New Jersey tends to vote Democratic, but but you never know. Um, there's a precedent for this actually in my state, in Connecticut, where back in, in the 1960s, 
uh, a senator just as powerful in many of the same ways as Menendez, just as influential. Uh, senator Tom Dodd was found guilty of corruption, refused to resign, uh, and Democrats at their nominating convention simply nom- nominated somebody else. Tom Dodd tried to run as an independent, but but failed. Um, something similar may happen with with Menendez as this case goes forward. But it's an interesting time for Democrats who, of course, have been pointing the finger at Trump and cronies um, with some regularity. Now, the, uh, the budget deadline uh, looms. Uh, how do you think the, uh, the rest of the week will play out? Well, you know, you and I have talked about budget brinksmanship a lot over the years. It's become a regular feature of Washington life. This time, however, it's different. Um, first of all, there is that delicate balance in the Senate. In the Senate, it, it's likely that something called a continuing resolution will pass. The Democrats and Republicans are currently, amongst each amongst themselves, arguing about funding for Ukraine and whether that belongs in, in a continuing resolution or not. And that's kind of a, a short-term hang-up there. But the big action, of course, is in the House of Representatives, where, uh, where the Republicans hold the narrowest of majorities, uh, where Senate, where 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 uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy won, held onto his seat, only with the uh, weakening of of the House rules, so that a single member can force a vote to oust him, giving disproportionate power to the forty or so members of the House Freedom Caucus the far-right wrecking ball faction of the Republican Party. And while vast majority of Republicans do not want um, a government shutdown, the Freedom Caucus thus far seems immovable. And we are at a point now where, where McCarthy is going to have to decide by the end of this, by the end of this week which he values more, keeping the government running or losing his speakership. It's going to be a kind of do or die moment um, that will shape not only the, the budget for the coming year, do we have a month or more of government shutdown while all this has worked out, or can we have it no shutdown or at least have it be limited to a week or so? Um, that's short run. Long run, it's going to shape the future of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives, the future of the Republican Party nationally. Um, it's actually a kind of important moment. Bruce, talking about important moments, the sad news of uh, Rupert's retirement has led to a day of national mourning here in Australia. Are the flags at half-mast <laughs> across the US? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, what if they gave a party and nobody came? Um, so far, Rupert's retirement has made barely a ripple. Fox News is going about its ever more fraudulent business um, with the same uh, lack of grace as it always has. Um, It's, you know, he has a profound legacy. There certainly, there's been no media mogul, no media oligarch in the history of the United States who's had such a profound effect on American politics, as, as, as Rupert has in the last few years in particular. And, you know, it's important to remember that there were kind of decisive moments in this. It, it, it wasn't always so. 
Uh, early on, I remember when Rupert was the owner of the Village Voice and had no problem owning one of the country's preeminent left-wing papers as long as it made money and helped subsidize the then money-losing New York Post. Later on, when he started Fox, there was, while it was always a right-wing network, it was operating within journalism norms. I myself may have even appeared on it in its early days, and I remember coverage of Hurricane Katrina, where Fox reporters uh, felt free to challenge um, the, the, the line coming out of Washington. That, of course, is now a thing of the past, and Fox is competing only with other far-right networks for a Trumpy audience, um, and its future is unclear only because the power of that faction remains so unclear. Is it going to fade away after the next election or are we here to stay? Um, It's a powerful legacy. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.